Jesus, it's packed. Yeah, go down the back there, so. Welcome to the Snog with Richie and Lavin. Anyway, hello and welcome. This is uh, The Snug, a podcast from the west coast of Ireland. My name is uh, Richard Loftus. And I'm Lavin. And uh, in this podcast, we talk to um, all types of folks from uh, across the west coast of Ireland. Uh, some may hail from the west coast of Ireland and uh, some maybe have just made it its home. Um, any crack? How are you? Uh yeah, not not a bunch of cracks. Built to help help the body build a porch. How was that? Like a like a flagstone porch. Heavy work? Huh? I yeah. wasn't at all. No, no. I, was, I was I was barely doing anything. <laughs> I was just sort of standing around saying, "Oh yeah, that looks great." Yeah, when you when you mentioned you were uh, doing manual labor, I was uh, a bit surprised. Let's yeah, just say. well, it wasn't you know, <laughs> it wasn't proper manual labor, but it was good crack. We had a good time. Went down to Dingle, which is okay. Went to Kenmare. Which is actually really nice. What were you doing down there? Just a uh, random, just uh, a bunch of friends were like, oh, we're going down. And I said, sure, I'll drive oh, down for the crack. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dingle, Dingle's Dingle. Dingle's doesn't need me to big it up, you know. Yeah. People will go to Dingle, even if I shit on Dingle, people will go to Dingle. I'm sure we won't be going there for the but, stack um, next year. The, but Ken Mayer is really nice. That's actually, it's kind of, it's close enough, but you, people should definitely check that place out. Yeah, I Ken, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Ken Mayer is gorgeous, all right. Um, yeah, I was. I mean, I, I think I've been there once before, but it was it was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Two streets, two main streets, lots of pubs, kind of like Westport. Yeah, very it similar, actually. Yeah, sure. It's all those kind of touristy towns are kind of the same, right? Yeah. They? Well, yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah. They have the same kind of vibe. I I I found that Dingle was very like, it's like uh, okay, all right, here I am, you know. Well, that's what it's set very, up for. Very, isn't very it? uh, what do you call it, touristy? Yeah. Well, it's not too bad. Like, it still has a bit of... it's It has charm, like, you know? It has charm? Yeah, yeah, I guess it does. Brosnan's yeah. is a nice pub. I like that pub. Yeah. Um, I had a good time. Now mm. I'm doing... Um, I'm doing this thing where I'm... Uh, I'm listening to a new artist every week. Oh. So I started last week. Well, what you start with? Uh, Jimmy Rogers. I don't know. He's the yodeling cowboy. He likes the yodel. And uh, I wanted a genre skip or a genre jump and go, like... Is it, you know, is it my bloody Valentine? Is that like the shoegazy boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to go like like adjacent to them, but I just ended up starting on Woody Guthrie instead. So that's this week's artist. Yeah, what you call it? Woody Guthrie and uh, my bloody Valentine. You wouldn't exactly uh, yeah. put them yeah, in the poles apart. It's what I wanted to do, but for some reason I was just like, I was, so I want to go from Jimmy Rogers to like shoegaze, but it, it just ended up, I was like, ah, I'll just do Woody Guthrie this week instead. What you got? He, he, your man from My Bloody Valentine. He was actually born in Ireland. Yeah, I think a lot of them are Irish in that band. Yeah, so you can actually technically say that's an Irish, an Irish album. Yeah, but like, what's that? What's that album? The, the it's that pink one. Oh, uh, Loveless. Is that is that the name of it? Yeah, I was actually re- just re- watching a, a a YouTube video about it there. The really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. And yeah, I remember listening to it a few years ago. And I loved it, but um, I'll uh. Maybe next week I'll kind of get into that yeah. again. Well, yeah. I'm trying to do things that I haven't heard before. Yeah, know? yeah, it's always so. a good way. What's you call it? What's um, what's in my bag? Did you ever watch that um YouTube channel? No, it's from it's. Oh a, yes, I saw Matt Berry on it. Yeah, and there was he he he, he like pulled out one by Stars or something. Mm. I was thinking, I was thinking like. 
that that'll probably be a good thing to to go on to to yeah. to, to, to choose this this the self-imposed new artist every week thing I'm doing. Yeah, it's great just for eclectic stuff that you'd never really listen to. Yeah, like, you know, people are always like, oh yeah, fucking North uh, North African, you know, disco music from the seventies yeah. or whatever. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. a deep dive into a complete nutter mayhem. Like <laughs> yeah, oh, like uh, I've been listening to um, what is it? Uh, African music shared on uh, cell phones in sub-Saharan Africa so it's just like WhatsApp like music that they send to each other and it's fucking class oh really yeah it's, it's a playlist on Spotify I forget I forget the actual name of it but it's brilliant if you like that kind of you know yeah, that, yeah. that genre like like at, like like Saharan African rock music is amazing these days like um, what's their names uh, sorry I'm kind of going on a tangent here you're okay Go on. Um, is it Tianerwin I think are 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 in that in that crowd there's another one um Mdu Mokhtar he's like a psychedelic um kind of left-handed basically like a basically like a like a Saharan Af- like like a, uh like Jimi Hendrix you know he's brilliant so yeah no it's it's great listening to all kinds of music isn't it yeah it's mighty it's mighty it's mighty anyway today uh just to veer off to go on a complete different uh vein uh, we have Rab Fulton. Uh, Rab is a man of many, many talents. He's a uh, storyteller. He's a writer. He's an educator. Um, Rab, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, getting in tune with my sub-Saharan rock vibe <laughs> just now. It's, it's all good, yeah. Any crack? So, um, people are based around Galway, probably you know, all across Ireland, would probably be familiar with the kind of stuff that you do on a regular basis it's kind of it's kind of shanaki kind of storytelling what it's based yeah. on initially yeah um but you're originally from scotland whereabouts in scotland are you from i'm originally from uh glasgow and uh i guess like a lot of folk from glasgow i've got that mixed scottish irish heritage thing going on as well so that's where i'm originally from but i've been here now I actually don't know how long I've been here. <laughs> I've been here a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And would there be much of um, a history of storytelling similar to Shanachie in Scotland? Oh, yeah. I mean, Shanachie's a Scottish word as well. So okay. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I, I kind of guess I was lucky in Glasgow where I was brought up. They just, it wouldn't be formally storytelling but folk I guess it's the crack you know there was I that telling of stories in my family and the different kind of I guess cultural backgrounds feed in there as well so there was I stories being tell of some sort it was very and then obviously we were moving between kind of English and then well what used to be called bad English Scots it's Scots like, yeah yeah, yeah. So that'd be, I'd be brought up with those kind of things as well, maybe between them. So it was very kind of, I very, it was very, lots of words in my, my childhood. And it was a very important part of it. So I, Glasgow, and I think that's a Glasgow thing. I mean, Glasgow's got a, there's, you know, we'd have, we'd call more traditional storytellers, like the Shawnikis, but you also have, Storytellers like Billy Connolly, yeah, who's an incredible storyteller. So you got all that going on in the background, bubbling away, and I would be 
exposed to all that as well as the story's main family so i was very lucky that way and would there be like um a tradition like i know the way um you do a show in the crane bar yeah. here in galway would there be like a night like that in in in, in i don't know you wouldn't call them traditional bars in in, in scotland well you get it's kind of weird because I've been out of Gal- I've been out of Scotland so long <laughs> that there's been so many changes in Scotland. Not just with the, the, the just, I guess the optimism with culturally has changed since I was I left just before the the Parliament was reconvened. So I, can, I, I I'm aware that there's a lot more going on. When I was in Glasgow, you'd have again, you'd have pubs like uh, or the Clutha or pubs like that that would have folk music, which like folk pubs again, yeah, like um, the Crane here. And you would get storytellers in there as well, so it's part of that. So you'd have sto- storytelling, you'd have the music, and then you'd have poetry as yeah. well. So yeah, it was all going on. And then, would your interest in that, in in storytelling and writing, would that have been sparked while you were living in Glasgow, or was it, was it? I was I, uh, I was I involved with words, you know. So I came up through performance poetry. That okay. was one thing I was doing, and then at that time. In Scotland, there was a lot of kind of protests and stuff, social justice protests going on. So I was also involved in organising like community newspapers and stuff like right now. So again, that was the word as well. And um, so the words, whether it was English words or Scots words, were a very important part of using words. And one of the things I was also very involved in, which I, again I do here, was trying to get other folk to get their stories out. Mm-hmm. It's been always been a big important part of things like uh, I talk enough, I'm quite happy to shut up and let other folk <laughs> talk and I, I, a lot of my work was about giving folk their own voice and I do that here with, you know, I've done podcasting here as well where I just get other folk to do their own voices. So it's, a, it's all, and then when I came here, I had in my head a lot of traditional stories, it was family stories and traditional stories anyway. So when I came here, initially I was trying to do the poetry, but Nate understood my poetry, so fuck it, I just went and tell stories instead. Yeah. <laughs> and folk could understand the stories, that's fine. I tell the stories just in English. The poetry switches between Scots and English and can baffle folk, but the storytelling's mostly, you know, Acceptable Queen Elizabeth II, <laughs> why may she decay? <laughs> get a proper English, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, aye. Does that answer the story? Uh, okay. Don't ask me any questions because I go off and one. But anyway, I yeah. think there's an answer in there somewhere. And the answer is maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That should be. That's the answer for everything. That's, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. Ten, tangents are fantastic, aren't they? Really, though. Sure, I think that's what kind of this show is going to be built on as as we go forward. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know. A good tangent's always a a good place to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm for tangents. <laughs> so the show that you do now, 
Yeah. It's kind of based um, on kind of folklore, a big mix of mythology and stuff like that. Would you see... Um, is there Scottish versions of Irish stories and vice versa? Do you see a lot of crossover between those uh, kind of two uh, traditions? There is. I mean, it's kind of weird in the... Coming here, some of my family stories, I realise, you know, they've been told to me in Scotland, and I'm thinking of Scottish stories. But coming here, I'm realising there's obviously the Irish heritage roots are in those stories. But then other stories I've got through my family are definitely from the Scottish thing. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's in my family, there's a blend. Yeah. But then culturally, generally in Scotland and Ireland, there's that blending as well, where... You know, you will have characters, I'm trying to think, even just like folkloric characters, like folk who have fought the fairies and end up running off to Scotland just to kind of hide. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, just giants, or even going back to the Fina. You know, there's like these stories going back and forward, or I guess the classic one is Satanta becomes Cucullin, but he still has to learn how to sword fight. So he has to go to Scotland, because of course the best sword fighters are the women in the Isle of Sky. So he has to go and learn for them, but they all want to shag him. And it starts a war and this kind of Isle of Sky then has to leave with his wee sword. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all that kind of, there's, there's definitely blending of the stories. And for my, myself, because I don't have Irish or Gaelic, I'm, I'm very aware, I I come from Scots and English and but I'm very aware in Ireland that or the stories I'm engaged with with Ireland, there's there's a lovely linguistic thing going on in English. The kind of really um, playing with words in a different way to Scotland. There's there's de- I'm not explaining it right, but there's definitely different ways of communicating in English stories. But there there's a difference there. There's um. I'm not explaining it right, so I'm just going to hold my wish and say it in there. That's it. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do know what I'm talking about. It's kind of, there's a very kind of longer way to make an expression in Ireland, whereas in Scotland, it might be a bit more abrupt to okay. get in there. Okay. But that might just be a Glasgow thing. Okay. Okay. So you go through the straight front door and we might go around the back door, kind of. Aye, but we all get there. <laughs> you still get there. Still get there. You still get there. But I'm know. sure there'll be plenty of folk listening to this podcast will say he's talking shite. <laughs> That's all right. I'm allowed to talk shite. I'm Glaswegian. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. So when you landed over from Ireland first, um, was it the writing then that came along with the, when you moved over? Uh, it was mostly the writing, but the writing was mostly the poetry. And at that point, you know, I'd been po- published in quite a number of well-known journals in Ireland as well, like Poetry Island and Cyphers and other. So I was coming here already, having been published in poetry magazines and stuff and collections in Ireland. But um, I guess it, it didn't kind of. I just. I'd come from a, a very specific type of poetry engagement in Scotland, which was very much in the run-up to this, you know, the reconvening of the Parliament 
there was a lot of community work and a lot of what year what year was that rob no i think that was 99 that but was i was yeah but i was here just before that got reconvened but i was involved in all the kind of the fun and frolics that led up to that and so there's a lot of poetry involved in that as well but i was very aware when i came here I didn't want to jump and presume that I knew what was going on in Ireland because I didn't. <laughs> so I, I kind of was just kind of came a step back. When you when you say um, knew what was going on, yeah. do you mean like from a political standpoint or political, social, community level? You know, there's lots of different things going on here, and it's been very interesting watching those things coming together. You know, like, you know, the whole marriage equality and um, women's bodily autonomy and all that sort of stuff. Um, watching that happening, it's been quite amazing watching that. And supporting it as well. Um, but I've kind of, I've went kind of very quietly just doing wee things. Like, I've carried on the idea of just when I can't get other folks' voices out with my own recordings and podcasting and then just use my own social media plat platforms to kind of promote things when you say like other people's voices out <clears throat> i know you did um two po podcast series um, yeah. based in ballyban and Westside. yeah and um that was kind of with people from um kind of diverse backgrounds yeah it was it was that like, i can't my again this was definitely my scottish head on me but it was one of those parts of my Scottish head that really did click with what was the I the in Ireland it's the same problem is that there's this idea that you know who owns culture what is culture and of course I guess there's either that kind of idea that there are certain folk who are naturally assumed to be involved with culture simply because of well you know the classic ethnicity class qualification thing you know and other folk would only seen as being it because they come from outside that prescribed norm for culture and uh, that's very damaging for everybody so obviously I come from a, a working class perspective yeah and um, so I was those podcasts I was talking to uh, well I talked to working class folk traveller community folk and then migrant folk as well folk for you know who've come here for other countries so that was kind of nice getting all those voices and i really love particularly the, the Baliban voices just with these with these rolling conversations you're like folk <laughs> listening to scottish be scottish talk to irish and there is that commonality and folk from outside wondering <laughs> all right so this is where we've landed and then they're bringing in their stories and their folk tales and it was very nice we chatted about folklore in the different countries i'm trying to think we had folk for uh eritrea um latvia serbia you know oh, it was a bit oh they had their own there was a their own stories about folklore and myth and also just um rituals faith as well rituals and faith and how chats about how different communities and different religions celebrate big events like deaths or 
you know, that those kind of big rituals. So there's always lovely conversations. And for me that's all culture. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it it might not win you a Booker Prize, but it's as valid, engaging, powerful culture as anything else. So that was very important to me to get that. And that feeds into my storytelling as well. I mean my my storytelling, you know, I'm using folklore and myth and there is an idea that folklore and myth in Scotland Island is very much a a white, straight, male preserve. But it isn't, if you actually look into it and do your research, you know, that's one interpretation of it. And that's never been the case. Ireland and Scotland have never been white, male, heterosexual countries only. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been others doing their stuff. And um, so I, I, I'm very aware of bringing those voices into, those perspectives into my stories as well. So... Again, I'm tangenting here. I'm tangenting. So obviously, those stories when you're getting like folklore and from different um, influences that probably influenced your writing then, because you had two kind of folklore books written in two thousand twelve yeah, and two thousand thirteen. It did. I mean, my I had a book out before them, um, Transformation, which is a it, it's it was I wrote it when I was in Galway, quite early on. And um, I think that was, no, I've been here a few years now, but it was about 2004 I wrote it, and then I self-published it, and then I think it was eventually published as a proper book quite late on, about 2012. There's a, a lag time between me and my things getting published, so it might have been actually ended up being published properly about the same time as the Folk Tales books came out. But that's a nice story. That was using a second contemporary Galway, a folkloric figure comes into that story and starts causing hassle nightclubs and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. And it's it's quite a it's a very poetic book. It's about a love story, but it's a horror story. The horror is there to allow the reader to examine the nature of faith and loss. So it's kind of elements of um, what's the term? Magical realism. Magical realism. Yeah. Definitely. That's a uh, shout out to my girlfriend that taught me that, <laughs> that oh, yeah. phrase. Yeah. She was, loves... Uh, um, Gabriel what? Garcia Marquez? Yeah. Was that yeah, the... Yeah. Was so that a hundred years of solitude? Was that the... Yeah. She reads a lot of um, Isabella Allende. I actually okay. read, a, ah. read one of her books for the first time this summer. And it's a lot of, you know, spirits and stuff like that yeah. based in like, you know, um, revolutionary South America and stuff yeah. like that. It kind of ebbs and flows in between the two. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like... <coughs> so I know you had those two books Transformations and Galway Bake Folk Tales and then you have had a collaboration then with um, with God and the Brevity oh yeah God and the Brevity it's a, it's a short story I mean it's, it's part of a longer uh, novel that I had planned but I couldn't get again I write when I can, you know, I'm, as time and money allows, and time and money are abundant. So I've got a series of novels planned out, ready to go, but I kind of get, I kind of get funding for the Arts Council, obviously, and I kind of get support from publishers or anything like that. So that was one of the, the things, one of the, those planned novels. There was a, a segment in it called God and the Brevity. And I, is a, a folkloric, it's, a, it's like a folk tale from the future. And 
it was something that was bubbling about in my head and then um Emma Zukovic. Zukovic. I wasn't sure if I was going to pronounce that correctly. But I may have not pronounced pronounce myself. Oh. Um, <laughs> we got there. She's a, a lovely. Um, she does artwork herself as well as documentaries. She made the this wonderful short documentary. So it was that short story. God, well that excerpt from the longer piece, the God and the Brevity Folk Tale of the Future. And then what she did when she had uh, Little John Nee. Ah, yes. He does the music. And then um, Dee McGee is a lovely performance artist. She got him to perform to the music and the words. But we all done it separately because it was during lockdown. Uh-huh. So, when you, so when you see that it's amazing how these three things blend my story, Lord Johnny's music and Dee McGee's body movement, you know, and she get it all. And it's great. And that's been winning awards and all sorts of stuff, that, that documentary. Yeah, that one best best short documentary in the record. Yeah, independent film festival. That that was one there as well. So it's been that was kind of nice. It, it kind of gives me a wee bit of a boost because you know I know I'm a genius when it comes to writing, but it's nice to have it affirmed that I'm a genius. Yeah. So, um, so what I'm doing now, I've I've given up on the whole kind of trying to reach out to publishers or agents or the Arts Council for support as a writer. I know I'm not going to get it. So I do, I've been working on a lovely science fiction novel called Marcus, Marcus and the Heart and Heart. And again, there's elements, and that's finished now and it's ready to go. And there's elements of, again, there's folkloric elements and magical realism elements in that sci-fi story. And uh, just now I'm working with a lovely editor um, again, what a Galway person, person Galway here, Tegan, and she's kind of proofing and editing. And we're hoping to get that ready in the next couple of months, and it'll be nice to have another book out, a sci-fi book. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And who knows, well, maybe it'll go, it'll get published properly eventually. Um, but it's not, my main thing is just getting it out, getting it finished. It's finished now, but just tighten it up and getting it really, yeah, getting it good it's a great story what was the uh, name of it again marcus marcus and the hurting heart okay so keep an eye out for that in a couple of well by the time this comes out it'll probably be published so hopefully hopefully yeah. hopefully we won't be too long getting this out now to be honest with you yeah hopefully we might tighten up the old uh, release schedule now and get, get warnings from the missus it's great recording a podcast but you actually have to release it for people to hear it so yeah. you know yeah um you recorded an audio version of uh, Marcus I, Marcus. I, there's an earlier um, audio version, which got its own audience, which was nice. But when I was re- rewriting it as a book, it still has the narrative arc of the podcast, but there's a lot of changes just in there that just... I, you know, it's funny when you when you... Again, it's one of these things like um, when I was writing Galway Folk Tales and when I was writing West of Iron Folk Tales for Children. So I'm, 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 the stories I'm telling, I'm telling them one way because I'm speaking, but when I'm writing, I'm in a completely different uh, headspace. Headspace. So I didn't want to just try and recreate what I spoke into the, the story. So I, I rewrote those stories completely. So they're, they're mere literary works. 
they two books. And so I guess I certain element that went on with Marcus Marcus. I had a draft written down. I read it for the podcast. But even as I was reading it out and finishing an episode and getting it published, getting it out, as we all have to do, I was taking notes and realising, okay, I'm going to work on that if I ever get it in a book form. And so the book is it's a bit different for the original podcast. It works great in audio form. Um, uh-huh. Though I, I I did listen to a few of the first few chapters, um, and I think I'm up on ten now. But like, it's a big body of work because it's I a massive. It's about sixty-two chapters long, and it's oh, wow. it's it's a pretty huge. I mean, I know folk who've listened to it all the way through, and I'm really impressed with them. Like, oh, because it gets it gets very twisted. Yeah, it gets very dark. I'm just warning anybody who wants to go and listen to that podcast. There's a, it's yeah, <laughs> it's I it's fun. It's kind of um, it reminded me, kind of of um, eighties British sci-fi. I know if you ever read yeah. uh, two thousand AD. Yeah, I was brought up in two thousand AD. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, as soon as maybe the first two chapters. Yeah, that's what it, it caught yeah. me straight away. Well, thank like you because I love. I was when I was, so my own background. So I've, I'm. Ta- I was talking about the spoken word as part of my background in Glasgow. Um, another big part of it I loved comics and there was two comics that came out in the late 70s one of them carried on one of them just finished but both of them were brilliant and one of them was uh, 2018 another one was it was uh, called Misty it was a kind of supernatural comic for girls okay but it was uh, amazing stories really it really ah, I loved it so my sister would get that and I would get the 2018 and uh both them fed into me and I guess I guess again it's one of those things talking about what culture is it's them the one that was aimed at men is the one that the investments went in and carried on whereas the one that was aimed at women it just died a death which was a shame because mm. Misty was every bit as good as 2018 I must google that actually I've never heard of it I haven't either and I've, I, think, I think it lasted maybe just a year or so oh wow wow but it was I'm hoping I'm getting the name right, Misty. I think it's called Misty. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, weird twist. Really, really, oh, women's brains. <laughs> you know, young lads should be reading that just to know what their teenage friend, girl companions' heads are at. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe don't read it. Sometimes it's best not to know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did you, um, it's, it's a funny thing about British sci fi. It's kind of. Um, kind of more grounded in realism than kind of the stuff you might get from other places kind of more dirty and kind of a bit more gritty seems really satirical as well mm. all the time see there's also a, a kind of subgenre within a lot of um british sci-fi are actually scottish or they'd be english who've lived a long time in scotland so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of um there's a lot of that kind of come through as well that kind of twisted <laughs> darkness and satire as well a kind of political fuck you yeah. element to them so there's definitely a lot of that going on feeding into my work as well um, who would be my, the guy I really enjoyed um, Ian M. Banks is, yeah, yeah he's yeah. great yeah Ian M. Banks is just incredible Dude, what did he was it was it the um what what did he do again? The um, 
the, the culture series yeah is that right? culture series, yeah. yeah yeah i've read yeah. like three three of those books that's yeah. really good stuff yeah he's um, just yeah so there's definitely a specific i mean he comes from scotland and he's got a very specifically scottish take on things but again you wouldn't really know that if you were outside you know but it's so there's British sci-fi, but there's actually a very strong Scottish element into it, and that Scottish element ties in with kind of um, almost. I wouldn't want to say ties into the folkloric side of Scotland. It definitely ties into the kind of that storytelling that's quite dark and using these elements. Definitely echoes comes into the Scottish sci-fi. All per- that, perhaps a kind of a warped sense of humor. Definitely yeah, definitely in, in the most uh, positive way you could say yeah. that, like you know. Yeah. <coughs> so the guy who wrote Neuromancer was he Scottish? What's Neuromancer? Gary, what's Neuromancer? Neuromancer was like the first one, one of the first like cyberpunk not like novels. Oh, do you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think if he was or not. I I think he's. I don't think he's American anyway. Do you know what? We're all just going to throw that out to the universe, and somebody's going to get back to his Yeah. <laughs> Hit up the Instagram. If you know that answer, let us know. Neuromancer, Mona Lisa Overdrive. I think that's the same in the same series. No, no, no. That's a swing and a miss for me now. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, Neuromancer is great. Yeah. yeah what is it? it? Ne- Neuromancer. Oh, what's it's, it about? It's like it's a it's like all the tropes of cyberpunk. It's all in there, oh, and it's brilliant. like you know he's blo- plugging into the Matrix and whatever. I mean, it's it's before any of this stuff came out. I think it was even before personal computers were even properly in the home that he had written this book but it was um or at least widely around the place you know but it's i read it probably like last year or something i really enjoyed it yeah i'm, I'm terrible that i'm blanking on the name oh will william gibson maybe uh, william good. gibson is probably his name yeah i think that's it but my, my own writing i think because i come from a pre-digital world my own writing, I, I guess, like Marcus Marx, it almost fits into the kind of space opera because it's big and there's bold things going on, but there isn't so much tech in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is magic in it. Yeah. So there's a time where it actually shifts. There's a point in the story where it shifts to being a kind of a straight on sci fi, what's going to happen with twists along the way. There's a bit where it suddenly shifts into another realm it goes into fantasy so I I, I don't really understand technology myself enough to actually it's all that kind of thing but I'd have to research tech to bring tech in of course yeah, yeah. and I couldn't do that no whereas I don't have to research magic and folk tales and all that <laughs> I can just invent that and throw it in and just it's more it's, it's instinctive to me that's great that, that, that you're mixing the, the two um, it, it's it's interesting you mentioned 2000 AD as well like in that there's I guess what is it um, what's the big one in that uh, Judge Dredd oh yeah Judge Dredd and then like in the same issue you'd get Slain yeah you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Re- I love Slain Slain's yeah. great yeah I was in um, the Bell Buck and Candle there about six months ago and what apparently Bell Buck and Candle in Galway, ah, yes, sorry, the well-known uh, record store and uh, bookstore in Galway, down the down the West End, right beside the crane, actually. Oh it? yeah, is it uh, Paul? Is it Paul runs that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a creepy shop. shop. That's brilliant. Um, he was telling me that um, actually one of the original artists, Forslane, 
actually lives in Galway. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, he's knocking around here somewhere. That's in. That's class. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Must track down and tra- track him down. All him. kinds of interesting people in the city, huh? Yeah, you know, blow ins and blow outs. <laughs> <laughs> blow ups. <laughs> blow ups. Yeah. <laughs> Imploders. <laughs> um, when you're talking about your own writing, it, I know you you ghost written something recently. I did. I did. I I, I was. I guess a lot of my art and my culture comes for me desperately trying to make money <laughs> to feed my wings, which is <laughs> I think is as as valid a reason for writing as any others. I've I've definitely I'm, I'm waiting to the point at some point in my life I'll I'll write for art's sake, but do you know what? I am certified when I actually get to the point where I do art for art's sake, it'll be complete shite. <laughs> 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 uh, I think I need to have that kinda okay, I'm doing this because uh, things have to get done. So that was a uh it was a suggested story for a guy called his name is Sean Rasinger, Rasinger, I'm not sure. And he had a, a lovely idea for a story and characters and things. And so he kind of gave it on to me. He turned into a book, and so it was great. And I would keep, I'd keep coming back to him. His role was more like a commissioning editor role, even though his name was on the book. I mean, yeah. His name deserves to be in the book because it's his, it's his idea originally. But the the work for it was research and the characters and the plot and that's all my work it's definitely a rap book in that sense but that was kind of fun because uh i had to write it fast so i had to research i had to world build because i was there's all these different worlds it's a fantasy novel set around different worlds it's high fantasy there's magic there's also um there's also robots and it just kept throwing things at me and i just <laughs> have to kind of like okay i can tell you that i can throw Cuckooing. Ah, fuck her. I can throw cuckooing. <laughs> I get back to me and say, I want some gnomes. I'd be like, fuck right. Gnomes? Robots? Shit, I can do it all. And it was, it was actually lovely. It was like having a wee... Do you know folk have got these apps now that can prompt writers to kind of ideas? Yeah. This was a real a human... Human prompt. A human prompt. And it was actually brilliant. And it was like, okay, just... I'm not... Just throw the ideas at me and I will... Throw the ideas. And I'd get back to him and say, well, why don't we try this? And then I'd do it. And it was nice, and it actually turned into a, a really, really, really amazing book. I'm, I'm very happy to stand over it as one of my books. It's brilliant. It's getting a lot of really nice feedback for its readers. And, uh, yeah, it's called um, The Heretic's Mount. And uh, the name on the book is Sean Razinger, I think. So, yeah, go check that out. Yeah. But, again, it was one of these things that it got me through the Christmas. It was a, definitely a Feeding the Wains book. And you can not uh, you can put that out at a at a quick pace, or is that like a a, a long drawn out process? That was fast. That was yeah. six months, and it's about one hundred twenty five thousand words. Jesus! Wow! Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Keep, pay me the money. I'll do it. I'm just putting out to everybody now who's listening. <laughs> pay me the money. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So what does ghostwriting entail in the sense of um, fast writing taking on suggestions and ideas and then going and developing them I mean there's different ways that for that one it was definitely me just getting a prompt and going off and researching it and okay. creating a world and working out a plot and then it was, it, there were some ideas he wanted definitely to happen so then I would try and, try and work out a way of getting the narrative to that point and then make that happen in a way that worked 
so that's one way of doing it but then there's other ghostwriters somebody maybe it's like um somebody's lived a life and it's their biography they just and so then they're more involved in it and that would be more collaborative you know somebody's actually telling somebody of their life and then somebody else is writing it down and then teasing it out and talking to them whereas this was more just to kind of yeah i would say sean's role was more like commissioning it commissioning editor that'd be kind of more his role okay and i'd be the kind of author but checking in with them about ideas and things okay that's so interesting you you would have been collaborated with sean on that and then from a, an educator standpoint um i know that you were working with um dr kate harvey in nuig oh yeah i've been working with kate now for oh we've been working together now good five or six years now we work on a again i love collaborating it's, it's one of these things you know there's this idea that artists kind of work with ourselves and do their own thing and i i love collaborating it's something i i i'm at my best when i collaborate and um so kate and i we work on a it's a storytelling and narrative project it's a 12-week course we do in NUI galway and uh the idea is i pass on the skills of storytelling also story listening and how to get other folk to create their stories one let's go back to my experience of getting other folk to tell their stories so one of the things we're doing there is getting folk to use their own histories or their own cultures their own background and then creating new wonder tales or new folk tales for that so then they can go back into the community to do that so during lockdown one of the things that kate and i had done was a um a podcast and for the life of me, i can't remember what it was called <laughs> i'm so tired now but um our is that our, our, our stories our stories yeah our stories and in that you wouldn't hear me at all or kate we, we occasionally hear us but it was mostly us getting the skills to the students we were working with and then they were working then we'd, they'd be working with students remotely um in galway and county galway and then those students were creating stories and the last two episodes of it are just the stories the children are speaking and it's like half the stories are english half the stories are in irish and then the, the, the teenagers themselves their family backgrounds would be obviously galway west coast galway connemara but then uh poland senegal all that kind of stuff and the idea is uh, my own philosophy that i come from is that once you're here, your story is part of the Irish story. Yeah. And so my idea is to make sure that those narratives are brought in. And also just to kind of bring in those backgrounds and heritages and saying, you know, these are good. And again, you know, getting folk for children to talk to their parents about those things as well. So there's two things going on. There's a narrative going on there of the students talking to me and Kate and then the students working with the the children and the teachers and then the children engaging with their own families their parents or their guardians and there's all these little intermeshings going on there's carousels going yeah. around and it's all part of creating that idea that what is Irish and what is culture is wider than the what we were talking about originally the, hmm. the white male heterosexual to you know who are lovely 
and beautiful and need to be celebrated. <laughs> but it's a wee bit more going on than that. Yeah, I don't have to celebrate it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's other other voices, other cultures, and other identities, and they need to be in other languages. So of course, yeah. So you're working with um an Argentinian uh, writer and uh, Spanish teacher, Noelia. Yeah. What does that entail? Well, it's kind of in, it comes off the Celtic Tales show because I get kind of three different audiences feeding in. We've got a nice Galway crew coming in, and then you've got a kind of North American crew, but then you've got a kind of European crew coming as well, either because they're settled here or they come to the language schools. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them would be Spanish speakers. So, an idea evolved with Noelia being a writer, using words as well, again, we're talking about language and words, that I would try telling one of my stories, well, Galway, specifically Galway stories, with her translating into Spanish. But then it changed because, obviously, she's a writer, so she's engaged me language, so it was not translating. It became she's performing the story as well. Okay. So we're performing the story together in English and Spanish. So we've got, the, the project is called uh, Bajo Las Oles, Beneath the Waves. And that builds on from a, one of my stories I like to tell, and it's also in the Galway Bay Folktales book. It's the, the Clara story, The City Beneath the Waves. And we tell that. Um, in English and in Spanish. Oh wow! And it's really nice because it's uh, it ties in again because uh, there's a lovely Spanish culture connected to Galway. You know, yeah. you're going right back. You know, with trade and um, the Armada and you know all that. Even the Milesians. You know, it's all there's all that kind of stuff goes all the way back. So again, it's all that kind of coming background again. So we're working on that. So yeah, if uh, any Spanish speakers out there want to, to hear the story in Spanish, give us a shout. We've got a nice show. Yeah. So that show usually goes out um, 8 o'clock every Thursday. From the, the Celtic Tales show in English, not in Spanish. The Celtic Tales show in English goes out every Thursday in the Crane Bar. Um, obviously, there'll be no show over Christmas and stuff. So just check in, you know, that it's definitely there. You can check in on our... On the Instagram at uh, Celtic Tales Galway. That's the best way you kind of find out what's going on. And it's quite, when we're, I suppose we're talking about it here and we're like, oh, it's a lovely little um, storytelling show, but it's quite raucous. It's, it's very quite, raucous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like more, a it's, revival it's, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's nearly akin to uh, a stand-up comedy show in parts as well, isn't it? It does. It there's, there's parts which are, it's, it changes. Sometimes it's just, pure comedy other times it's kind of slower darker tales um and then other times it's more adventure tales with but there's always a little bit of humor leaking into the story but then there is there's nights that are just completely raucous yeah and i'm kind of lucky that the audience based here in galway the audience the galway audience over the years have, have got to realize when you come to the show, you don't know what to expect. You just don't know what mood I'm going to be in. I could be going quiet and sinister, or I could be going full blast, raucous humour. 
but I'm lucky that folk take both elements and enjoy them. And there's a lot of um, audience participation then as well. I, I, I'm very lucky that the audience wants to join in, and <laughs> I've, I've, and over the over the years I've created spaces where actually uh, they can they can bring in. You know, if there's stories that got sound effects, they'll I, I just throw it to the audience, and it's now got to the point where I don't even need to ask the audience to do the sound effects. I just stop. And don't do it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, and It's yeah. really nice. You're I mean, kind of eliciting um, reactions all the yeah, time. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, there's that's wonderful for me. That if I'm exhausted, I just throw it to the audience, and they can just throw things at me. And uh, yeah, that's great. I really enjoy. Again, it's it's part of the collaborative process. Again, it's it's. Um, storytelling is a collaborative process you have the storyteller but a storyteller doesn't exist without their audience mm. so um the audience is as much a part of the event as the teller so yeah again it's and is it like the do you read the room as far as where it's going to go and like if it's going to be raucous or if it's going to be dark or is it just depends on your mood of the night yeah, it or? depends on my mood um the reading of the room mayor comes into i guess there's a lot of improv goes on there as well yeah. so i'll be picking up on things that go on the audience and weaving that into the stories that's going or actually i'll be stopping and throwing it back to the audience and getting their feedback so yeah there's a lot of that goes on as well okay well rob thank you so much for joining us and filling in on all your many works thank ongoing and past and future um so your instagram at celtic tales is probably the best place to catch you celtic tales galway Tales go or you can email me on uh, celticales at gmail.com perfect that's the things yeah well thanks so much wonderful thank you guys I've enjoyed the snog it's very very relaxed is it relaxed <laughs> that's good 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 <laughs> we'll come back anytime you want I will alright alright alright